Hello, and welcome to the Michigan Milken Educator Podcast. I am Brian Langley, Milken Educator 2007, and in this episode, I interview Kevin Toby, Milken Educator 2015, about his career in education. Hello, Kevin Toby. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm very new to podcasts. I have never been on a podcast before, so I'm very excited to uh, try this today with you. All right, let's dive in. So talk to us a little bit um, about your history, please. First of all, uh, when did you receive the Milken Educator Award? I received the Milken Educator Award in 2015. It was in November and right around Thanksgiving time. So it was actually the day before we went on our Thanksgiving break. So that anniversary is coming up here within the next week. Yeah, I think I, I remember that because I was there. Yes, you were. It, it was great. It was very exciting. All right. So I want to get an idea of um, who you are as an educator. So let's begin with why did you go into teaching? So I was actually very resistant about going into education at first because my dad was a teacher and then an administrator. Um, okay. His brothers are also administrators. Okay. And I uh, didn't kind of want to follow in that family tradition. I was always really good at math. And so I was going to pursue a degree in engineering. And I went to Michigan State University. I was all set to get into engineering and started down that path. And didn't really feel connected to the material and couldn't see myself in that kind of a position. Um, I was doing some track coaching also while I was in college just to earn some extra money. Mm -hmm. And I found that I really enjoyed working with the middle school students and, and I was having a blast. And I had always over the years really enjoyed just helping my friends, um, helping anyone really with their math and, um, you know, just kind of being able to explain it to them. And so I really went through uh, a time where uh, I, I went through about a semester or year long process of just trying to decide what I really wanted to do mm -hmm. and decided to take some teaching classes just to see um, if maybe that would be something that I would want to go into. And I enjoyed the teaching classes. I enjoyed the conversations. Um, I enjoyed the idea of trying to solve the big problems in education and in same way yep. my math and physics classes transferred over enough so that uh, it was easy to get a degree in math and a minor in physics. And so I did that and I have never regretted that decision since. That's so interesting. Your story sounds so much like mine. I was initially going into dentistry and, uh, what, what year was it that you kind of um, did some introspective, you know, thinking through about what you wanted to do, about what year was that in your, in your college? So it was during my, during my sophomore year. Okay. And so, you know, so you were a little earlier than I was. Mine was my senior, like the fall semester of my senior year. I decided around the time of my, my sophomore year. Um, and I, I remember distinctly meeting with one of the uh, engineering professors who was also uh, an advisor in the College of Engineering. And she was trying to convince me to stick around and not go into education. And she said the big problems that I would like to solve 
I, I would never have those um, in education. And I, I find that interesting because every day is something new and unique for mm-hmm. me um, in the world of teaching. And I, I feel like I'm making a bigger impact in education than I ever would have in engineering. And I feel like there are more complex problems actually to solve sometimes than in that world. Um, if you think about what we're dealing with um, individual personalities and the overall structure of what's going on in the world. Yeah. So when you look back on it now, you have uh, this family history of educators and you kind of resisted it for a while. Do, do you feel like in the end your genes just won or do you think it's a little different than that? Um, I think it's a little different than that because I think that I, um, I'm, I'm the only one in my family that has been ambitious enough to take on high school teaching. Okay. And also, I've had no desire to go into administration. Okay. I really enjoy the classroom, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a little bit different. So I found ways to kind of carve my own path out. Um, and I also, you know, I, I think I enjoy doing work at like the state level and, and kind of the national level and, and taking on some of the bigger issues there, too. So, uh, so yeah, but it's, it's definitely, uh, a little bit of a family tradition. Um, I have a daughter now who is about to head off to college and Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to see which direction she wants to go. And I think that, you know, I think, I think that's one of the challenges we face is that I I teach seniors and I have a lot of, uh, advanced honors kind of students and very few of them ever talk about wanting to go into teaching. Mm -hmm. And I, I still believe that it's a great profession. I still believe that, um, Really, we should be encouraging our young people to go in that direction. Let's talk then about um, your story as an educator. You know, what does your math classroom look like or or um, what has your story been in education? I've, I've really tried to be an innovator and be an innovator in ways that are uh, make good sense because i think sometimes people utilize technology or the latest trend just because it's different and i do it because i'm I'm looking for the best way to teach my students I'm, i'm looking for strategies i'm looking for ways to connect with them that enhance what what they can do and I think that what we can now um, what we can now utilize with technology and in the math world in terms of visualization and connecting with students is so far beyond what it was 20 years ago. So I, I really, as an educator, I try and stay up to date with as many things as I can. I try to challenge myself a little bit each year to try at least one or two um, something news, you know, just something that I, I can do either as a professional growth or something a little different in my classroom. So I think as my, my story as an educator has a lot to do with adapting and transitioning and always trying to find that little tweak that I can do to make my classroom experience a little bit better. So can you give some concrete examples of some of the things that you've tried through the years and have stuck? And now that as you look back, it's like, now ingrained as something that is part of your classroom? Yeah, I think I was I was a early adapter of the learning management system. I think okay. everybody is now on Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. And I started out, I did um, Moodle for a while. Moodle mm-hmm. was like an open source kind of classroom management system. Um, I tried, we, we had the Lon Kappa system through Michigan State. Oh, yeah, which was of course, away- absolutely. 
to, to ask math and science questions online. So I connected with them for a while in mm-hmm. terms of trying to develop, um, you know, problem sets or ways that students could do work and, and be self-checking. Right. And that's just kind of developed more and more over the years. I now use uh, Desmos is a site that I use a lot right now, and I develop activities in there. And it was a great success actually during COVID times of being able to interact with the students, getting instantaneous feedback and and being able to analyze what they're doing. Um, I can see in real time what they're inputting and we can have classroom discussions around it. So I think uh, a lot of these little issues that I always wanted to do, but the technology wasn't quite ready to do it yet. The technology has now kind of grown up and I'm able to do a whole lot more with it. Talk to me about Desmos. What what does that have? What does it do? What doesn't it do? What do you like so much about it? Basically, I can give a screen to each of my students and I can see in real time what they are graphing. Um, I can see what equations they're entering in. I can ask them questions and see all of their responses. I can give feedback to them. And this can be going on in the classroom setting or it can be going on in a homework kind of setting. Okay. And so um, there's some pre-made activities. They've actually developed an entire middle school curriculum through this that they now uh, use. But you can also create activities on your own. And I've kind of gotten into that side of it. It involves a little bit of behind the scenes uh, programming too. Mm-hmm. I can random, right? I can do randomizing of the problems. And so I can give them each a different experience or I can have them all doing the same thing. Oh, I can also make st- self-checking activities. And so it gives them feedback. Um, I okay, noticed so my students, yeah, they, my students were playing this like weird Farmville game or something right. through um, Snapchat. Okay. In class, and and so I made a themed activity where it was kind of like the game, where they would answer questions, and it would appear that they got a new uh, vegetable <laughs> or fruit or whatever, nice. or something ridiculous. But they totally bought in. Nice. Um, but yeah, there's little ways that you can tweak it and give them their own unique experience, or you can make it a, a, a whole group activity as well. So um, they would be inputting their answers into this. Uh, do you do you use a notebook? I, I am a big proponent of like writing things down and showing their work um, in physics. Uh, is that something that your kids are still doing or is it, can they do everything through the computer? They can do everything through the computer. You can also have them upload photos of their work. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I've gone to for homework assignments is okay. I have them just take, take a picture of their work and then upload that to classroom. Yeah, I've done um, that I, too. I just, I like having the hard copies of it to be able to see what they're doing and, uh, I feel like that that's been almost better than a notebook check because mm-hmm. instead of going around and getting a five second view, I now have something semi permanent to look mm-hmm. at that I can go back and reference if a student is having trouble. So, uh, yeah, there's just so many different options now that you can do to um, just check in with students and see how they're doing. All right, so I've got a good sense of some of the things that you've focused on in your classroom. Um, let's talk about your education story, like um, like with receiving the Milken Award. So you received the Milken Award. You mentioned that you like to do things at the state level a little bit. Um, what kind of things have you gotten yourself into over the years? So I was part of the first Michigan Teacher Leadership Advisory Council. Okay. And it was a position that you had to apply for. 
they took 20 educators from across the state and we did a year-long program where we would meet monthly and we would form little subgroups like i was on a stem group for that um, i was also on a group for looking at the mentor standards for michigan and how we could revise those a little bit mm -hmm. but the idea was to get feedback from educators from across the state and get us interacting a little bit more ultimately it was also to be um, a way to work a little bit with legislators Although that side didn't really come in in the first year. I okay. think they were, that was still a bit of a work in progress. So I was involved in that, and I, I enjoyed that experience. Um, I'm also on a committee coming up here to do uh, to look at a math specialist certification okay. that they're thinking of developing. And so I'm kind of intrigued by this idea because I am, um, I'm always looking for ways that we can promote teacher leadership without mm -hmm. necessarily going into administration. Right. And I think that developing some pathways is really important. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get that going at the state level, I think that could benefit a lot of great teacher leaders across the state. I like any opportunity that comes, comes by from the state, I will say yes to. And I, I just, I think it's important that they hear our voices. And I think that we're always looking as educators to have our voices being heard. And so we can't turn down opportunities when they come up. Okay, so you've been involved at the state level in some various things. What about district level? Yeah, at the district level, I, I have a real hard time saying no. And okay. so that's definitely one of my weaknesses as an educator. And sometimes I, uh, I fill my schedule a little too much. I, I've done the, the math department chair position for a, a, quite a long time now. And we do it as a two-year cycle, but I keep one-upping every time. Okay. Or re-upping every re time for yeah. that. So um, that involves a lot of work with, uh, we, we go K-12 and we have different representatives from each building. And we just had a meeting this week where we were talking about um, some new curriculum materials that we've brought in. Um, I also do a lot of, we, we do a lot of teacher-directed professional development. And so at our department meetings, at staff meetings, we have a lot of teacher-led sessions. I actually mm -hmm. just did a session um, for our math department on Desmos and, and the activities. Okay. Um, I pretty much volunteer anytime they have an open space to just let me know, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever. I've talked about homework policies, grading policies, different technology. We had a, a bond committee um, that I was a part of or you know, what we were gonna do technology-wise. I was a track coach at the time, so what we were gonna do with the track facility. But basically, anytime um, anyone asks me to be part of a committee, I, I usually say yes. Sometimes I grudgingly say yes, but then I, I, I love it, and so I, I will do it. Um, I, I just had a teacher this week approach me about being on a committee for equity and diversity and being the math representative for that. And I said I might not be able to attend every meeting, but I'd be happy to to talk about that with them because mm -hmm. I just I think it's important work. I think it's valuable work, and I think that it's again important to have a mathematics uh, department voice on that too. So. So, what are some things that you spend time thinking about today, like? What are you currently, let's talk about this year. What, what are you working on? Um, where's your mind at? My mind jumps all over the place. And okay. so I, I really, um, 
I think always on the back burner for me lately is I, I feel like I'm getting towards the end of my career. I'm in the probably the last quarter of my teaching career. And I really am concerned about recruiting the next generation of teachers. And I think that's always on the back of my mind. Like what, what can we do to make our profession just more appealing to students coming out? And mm -hmm. what are some things that we can do to retain our high quality young teachers that we have? And so that, that from a like big picture education standpoint is something that I'm always thinking about. Um, I also have, I, I teach two different AP classes. I have a regular calculus AB course, and then I've developed a calculus two program. Okay. That's a little bit different than the traditional BC calculus. Mm -hmm. So we actually, we teach calculus two and calculus three a little bit in the full year. And it's a small group of students that I have every year. There's usually about 10 to 15 that go through um, this program. But I'm always thinking about different ways to make that class the best that it can possibly be for the students in terms of overall experience and also being able to obtain credits. Mm -hmm. So I've been looking uh, and thinking a lot about ways to connect with either a community college or a university to make it more of a dual enrollment type of experience, Okay, which is not something that we have in our district going at all right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that again has been something that's on my mind, but I'm always just, I'm always just tinkering with things. I always just want to make my lessons a little bit better or a little bit different. Um, I'm never really satisfied with what I've got going on. Um, I mean, today my pressing thought is related rates. I mean, those are the types of problems that we're working on in class. Right. Yeah. And How can you do just, that better? You know, yeah. Just, yeah. And just come up with more unique problems and more realistic problems and how can I incorporate, you know, an interesting graph or a cool graph with it. And, and there's this whole process where I think good teachers and good students feed off of each other, right? So if I can come up with a way to generate more questions in my class, I get these great questions that come out and then that motivates me to go, wow, that, you know, I've, I haven't really thought about this or it takes me in a different direction. And so Mm -hmm. I think the best classes are ones where there's just that ongoing collaboration between teacher and student. And, you know, we kind of push each other. They, they have high expectations of me and I have high expectations of them. And what can we do to push each other in different directions and, and, you know, take each other to a place that we couldn't maybe do on our own. And so I think there's a lot of times that we as educators think about what we can do for the students when the students in return are actually doing quite a bit for us. I mean, I think that what I see during the day and the questions that I hear and the problems that I try and navigate that, that drives me and inspires me to want to come back and want me, want, want, you know, want to do, do more for them. So. All right. So I'm glad yeah. you bring, you know, kind of taking us on this tour because I would like to know more about what the inside of your classroom looks like. So, um, you know, it, not to put too much pressure on you, but, um, like when things are going really good in your classroom, what does that look like? Like, like what does, what does, what does some, maybe an example of your best class look like? I think my best classes are almost when I go just off the grid, right? Like I'm, I'm going and I have this great plan and I'm, I'm trying to figure something out and something prompts me to just stop what I'm doing and just on the spot, rethink everything. 
So, you know, it could be coming from a, a, a student asks a question and I maybe try and explain how to do a problem or whatever, and it doesn't quite connect with them. And so they kind of poke at me to go in a different way. I'll stop and regroup. And I, I just, I kind of feel, uh, feel a rush with that. Like I, I gotta, I gotta try and come up with something different. And so um, I come up with maybe a, a creative way to, to attack the problem. What I've also found lately that is just a great environment is we, we've put these whiteboards in our hallway. We have a whole hallway now of just whiteboards. There's like four or five of them out there. Okay. And I, I get the students in little collaborative groups and give them some markers and just let them go on a problem. And everybody's standing up, everybody's moving around a little bit more active. And that allows me to just kind of bounce from group to group and just hearing their ideas and being able to, again, you know, I think like, like when, when you can get students to talk, when you can get them to explain where their misconceptions are, when you can get them just to share any creative problem solving strategies that they've got going on, that's the best kind of classroom environment for me. Um, and it, it, again, it just, I think we help each other out in that way. Their creativity prompts my creativity and then it, it kind of keeps going from there. Um, sometimes I just take the class in completely random directions. Um, I, I, for years, had just, I, I make some pretty interesting and unusual graphs. And every once in a while in class, I would just start and, and, and say, well, let's, let's put some music in the background. And, and it kind of would look like a rave, right? Because you got these cool graphs on the whiteboard and you got some music playing in the graph background. And I was kind of joked around about making a social media account that was just that. And so one day I decided just, well, I'm, I'm going to make an Instagram account and I'm going to make all reels. So all short videos, and they're just going to be graphs with like popular music playing in the background. Okay. So we started this Instagram account and it's up to like 290 followers now. Okay. And it's it, all it is, is I just, any cool graph that we make in class now becomes a real graph and, and, and we just throw it on there and it's, so it kind of gives us something to look forward to all the time. Okay, here's a weird equation. What happens if we graph this and play around with it? What can we come up with? And, you know, like what's unique about it? What's different about it? And, uh, you know, some of the videos have like 8,000 views. I don't, I don't know who's watching these. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know who's intrigued by them, but uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. And, and so, you know, again, things like that, I think are, are great classroom experiences. Um, I think it gets so, them to look at math in a little bit different kind of way. Right. And what I appreciate about that is I think every teacher knows that if you can, if you can figure out a way to make your content or your classroom special or different or unique, then that just helps with the engagement. And so here you have this unique thing where you are, you're, you know, you're getting on Instagram where the kids are at or whatever. But right. the other the other important thing about this, though, is but it's wrapped around your content. And I also think that that like delivers a message that this this stuff's interesting and it's and it's it's good to know and it's worth learning. And um, these are our special graphs or something like that. And I, I think it's just so important to let your students know that you are still a learner. Right. Mm, so, that right. You, you know, you you really enjoy and are curious about the subject that you're teaching and, and you want to find different directions to take it and that you're excited about something when you find something new and, and you find a, a solution to a problem that you haven't seen before, you see a different kind of graph or you see something that that's, that's part of what, what you enjoy about teaching and about studying mathematics. 
And, you know, it's, it's not just this stagnant, I know what I know, and I'm going to deliver it to you every year the same, um, that I, I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly looking for ways to improve as a teacher, looking for ways to improve as a mathematician. And I, I like to share with my students some of the professional work that I do as well. You know, mm -hmm. I went, I went out last year um, in the spring to um, talk to the new Milken educators. They had a forum out in Los Angeles. Okay. And I had the honor of being able to be on some panels and being able to speak about some of my experiences. And I think sharing that with my students and, and letting them know what I'm working on and that, um, you know, I'm, I'm 47 years old and I'm still wanting to learn more from other people and, and hear their stories and just experience what I can in the world, I think. And also, um, though, that you take this seriously. Right. right. You take teaching right. seriously. You take math seriously. Right. It's it's important to you. I, and I feel like, you know, when you show your appreciation to the graphs or whatever, that that it, the, your students can't help but appreciate it more. And, I, you know, it's something I always emphasize with, with my students. Whatever path that they choose to take in life, that they, they should find something that they're passionate about that they enjoy doing. And, you know, there's a lot of other concerns that go into choosing a profession, but ultimately you should decide on something that you can give everything you can to, and you constantly want to improve that. And that, you know, you, you do, you have that desire to get up in the morning and, and go do it. And, and I can say that after 25 years, I still get up in the morning and I'm excited to come to school. I'm excited when I walk in the door and I'm excited to work with young people every day. Yeah. And it sounds like they're lucky to have you. So, uh, Kevin, Toby, um, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, ideas um, with us today. Absolutely. Thank you very much for uh, helping me out with us and, and running this podcast. That concludes this episode of the Michigan Milken Educator Podcast. Thank you out there for listening. Thank you to Kevin Toby for sharing your story with us. Take care, everyone.